Uh, good morning again. Welcome to Country Christian Center this morning. Um, let's just go ahead and begin this day with some prayer. So, Lord, we just thank you so much again that we can come here in community, um, fellowship, and worship you. And so we just ask your blessing on this time. And thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've just kind of been thinking about um, prayer a little bit. And kind of, you know, it kind of just starts out with kind of like, seems like, how does, how do you, how do you pray sometimes? I start, I start to wonder this in my, for myself, because, you know, you get up and you have breakfast and thank you, Lord, for this food. And uh, I usually say, and thank you so much for Abigail who makes this food for me every day. Um, because that is a huge blessing to me, but, you know, it's more common. Just bless the hands, prepare it. You kind of get that, that prayer that's kind of, it's real, but also kind of like, if you're supposed to have a relationship with God, there's got to be more to prayer than, thank you, Lord, for this food. So I was thinking about that a little bit um, over the last, last couple of weeks, and then it was kind of confirmed to me, um, how do you pray um, on um, Tuesday when we did uh, the Young Marrieds, when Jim Perry, um, he was there, and we, at the Young Marriage group right now, we're kind of going through this thing where we invite some more mature, that was the word they used, more mature couple, um, and kind of just ask some questions about their marriage and how they're making it work and and. You know, that kind of thing. Anyways, one of the things that Jim Perry had brought up and said was the Lord's Prayer is really, really important to pray. Um, so I just had some thoughts that I wrote down on that, kind of some verses to go through. So I'd like to first off just start by reading uh, Matthew 6, 9, all the way to 15. And this is also... Uh, a kind of a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer is also in Luke 11, 1 to 4. But I'm just going to read the Matthew version. Pray in this way. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their transgressions, for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Um. Anyways, and I, I was, that's, that's the Lord's Prayer there, and I just would caution you to also read the part before, and I did that intentionally, but um, don't just read the words. Like, if you're going to read the Lord's Prayer, don't just read the Lord's Prayer as a, as a written prayer, and like, eh, just read the Lord's Prayer, it's what you're supposed to do. Because um, if you read it, if you actually read it, um, it cautions you pretty strongly against just reading it. It says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Anyway, so it's just a caution kind of against, don't just read them over and over and over. They're, they are words that they're you know, the Lord said to pray in this manner, kind of, it says pray in this way, but it's kind of like a, a guideline for how to set your heart to pray. Is that, that's what it seems like to me that he's saying there. I know that in the, the Luke version, it says, when you pray, say this. That's what it actually says in the New American Standard. Some of the other versions, I'm not sure what they're saying exactly, but... Um, but I think it's, a, it's a, making a pretty good point there that don't just pray and say the words. There's no power in them. It's an intentional heart directive, I think, to, to read these words and to place your heart in subjection um, 
to, to the, the method of praying here. And so I'm just going to jump over and read. Uh, the next would be Matthew 26, 37 to 42. It's probably, you have it up there? I'm just going to read it off there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. For he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said, Peter, and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. So you see right there, like the ultimate subjection um, to this method of praying. He recognized Father as holy and all authority, and this is not what I desire. It's kind of not, not what he desired, because he was God and he came for that purpose. And I believe his will is the same as the Father's. But if there's any way, basically, to accomplish your will and not go through this, because he was suffering. Jesus was suffering. Even at that point, he says, he kind of feels like he's at the point of death. It, it, it wasn't fun for him. Um, and so just you see that, that real subjection of will, you know, whatever your will is, um, let it be done. Okay. And then a little farther down, you see um, verse 10 in the Lord's Prayer. It says, and your kingdom come, your will be done. And this, this might connect as far as what he's talking about here in the Lord's uh, your kingdom. But I, just, I, I found this to be quite interesting when I was reading through uh, what his kingdom is. Just trying to figure out what does this prayer mean? How do I, how do I subject myself to uh, the Lord's prayer and the meaning within the prayer when I'm praying? So I, I found uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. I think that was the next one. Yeah. It says, so this is um, right after King, I believe it's Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream and he, he was going to kill all the wise men because nobody could tell him his dream. I don't know if he couldn't remember it or if he didn't want to tell it, but Finally, Daniel comes and says, I will tell you your dream and the meaning, and please don't kill all the wise men in Babylon. And so he breaks down, he tells him the dream, which is a statue with uh, the different materials made out of it. But here's the last part of that, that um, interpretation of the dream. It ends with this. And in the days of those kings... The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for, any, for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. But it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God made known to the king and gold the, that will, wait, I lose my place here, without hands that crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future so the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Okay, so there you get a little bit of a vision of the, king, the future kingdom of God. It says it, he will put down all of the kingdoms, um, and he will reign forever and ever. And after that, Daniel gets promoted. But um, and the, So then next is like that life within the kingdom can kind of see that in Psalm 
37, 10 to 11, there's a little bit of what that kingdom is going to look like. And it says, yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. I believe that's a little piece of what the future kingdom of God will look like. Anyways, and then just kind of leading towards our worship time. You know, and I'm not really going to go through the whole prayer. The rest of it, I think, is really, really plain, but also really in-depth. But, you know, it just says, your daily bread, um, forgive our debts as we forgive others. So it's very clear where we need to stand within that. Uh, Isaiah 6.3, though, just a piece of it, said it's the... Um, let's remember. It's just it's the Isaiah is having the vision or dream, and this thing that he sees is the angels, the seraphim with six wings, and they're just yelling, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts! The whole earth is filled with His glory." And so it says they're just, they're saying that. Anyways, just kind of to recognize that God is so holy. The angels worship him with that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the whole earth, it says, is filled with his glory. Anyway, so just that's something I thought just good to think about as we uh, write the worship team up and just sing to our Lord. Um, Recognize that he is so, so holy. And he is worth every bit of any praise that we could give him. So at this time, I'll just invite the worship team. And Lord, just thank you so much that we get to worship you, even though you know, it kind of seems like we have unclean lips. Um, but your son, Jesus, has cleansed us, and we accept that and just ask that these um, praises are just honoring to you. And so we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, You can stand if you like and worship with us.
of wonder at the mention of your name. Sing it again, filled with wonder. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. i 
searching for the right words to put what's going through my head, but if you know who God is to you, what he's done for you, if you've accepted that gift, then that is your eternity. To sing the praises of God, to fellowship with God, with other believers for eternity. But in that statement, there's a second side. If you don't know, if you haven't heard, if you haven't accepted, complete opposite of the presence of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, complete opposite of that. It's very serious. It's life and death. God, I pray that no one within the reach of my voice would have to experience that second side. God, I pray that we could spend eternity with you. You've promised that to us if we are in you. forever, eternity. My, my brain really doesn't understand what those words actually mean. God, I thank you for that promise. God, may we live our life in such a way to bring others into that promise as well. God, thank you for who you are. God, we pray that you would bless the rest of this service, that your name would be lifted high, and that we could spread your word, your name, to other people in our week. Just thank you, God. And all God's people said, amen. Good morning. Welcome. If you've not been before, we are glad that you're here. If anybody enjoyed the weather this last half of the week. It's been very, very nice. It's like a, what they call an Indian summer, that it just kind of keeps hanging on. So hopefully it'll hang on for one more week for the wedding on Saturday. So we are going through the book of Acts. We're going to finish chapter 10 this morning. So we're going to be reading Acts chapter 10, verses 24 through 48. 
Acts chapter 10, verses 24 through 48. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things in which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that, that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days more. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, I just pray that as we read it, we open it, we look into it, that we can find you and find what you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. So remember last week we talked about Cornelius and God preparing Cornelius to send for Peter, and on the other side, God preparing Peter to go and minister to Cornelius. So now is what's happening is he's been sent for. Peter has been shown that you shouldn't call uncommon or unclean what God has called clean. And God has shown him this, which was a big deal for them at this time. And so Peter is going. He's going. He's on his way to Caesarea. And Cornelius is waiting for him to come. Now, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it was like then because now we can call somebody and say, hey, would you come and see? And we can get a time on when they're going to be there. Then they say would, they sent servants to go get somebody, and it may have taken several days, maybe a week. I don't know how long it took for them to get back. And they might not know exactly when that time is going to be that they're going to come. Now we are pr- probably pretty precise or try to be on what time we're going to set something up because, you know, we got other things to do and we don't have time to just sit and wait for somebody to show up. We have other things to do and other places to be. So they're waiting, but Cornelius is not waiting alone. Remember it said Cornelius was a devout and a God-fearing man. 
And his household was as well. He was setting an example for his household to follow. And his household and servants and everybody around him were indeed following that. And so Cornelius is not waiting here for Peter by himself. He has gathered all these people into his house waiting for Peter to get there because he wants everybody to hear at the same time. What an opportunity for the spread of the gospel. What an opportunity because he has been asked. Peter has been asked to come and Peter is going. Why is he going? He's going to share the gospel with them. That's why he's going. When Peter gets there, Cornelius immediately falls down at his feet and is trying to worship Peter. And this could go to somebody's head if you would let it, that people would honor you in that way. But Peter is also realizing this is not okay. This is not okay at all because God is very clear that we aren't supposed to worship anybody except for him. And so Peter says, stand up, get up, don't do that. I'm a man just like you are. I'm not taking, Peter is saying, I am not going to take any recognition for what is happening here. I want Jesus to be the one that takes all the recognition for that. It's not about me. It's all about him. Don't bow down and worship me. Get up. Get up. Don't do that. That's not for me. That's for God. And we need to honor God in that. Peter also points out when he gets there, he says, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. So we talked about last week quite a bit about don't call unclean what God has cleansed. Don't call uncommon what God has called common. Don't that's not for us to judge. We aren't the judge of who it receives the gospel or who doesn't. And so Peter is pretty quick to tell them, hey, you know how odd this is? You know how different of a setting this is? Because normally we wouldn't be allowed to come. We wouldn't, it would be frowned on if we were to come and sit and be in the house and eat with somebody of another nation. But Peter's also saying, but God has shown me that this is right that this is okay. He's shown me not to call anything or anyone unclean. I want to read a few verses out of Galatians that is talking about this as well. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And they're talking about the same thing, and they were being inconsistent. They were doing things with Gentiles, but when certain people would come, they would all of a sudden pull back to make it look like they weren't doing things with Gentiles, and you can't have it both ways. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't, you can't change who you are or who you associate with based on where you're at. And this is what was happening, and they were called out right here. The, it says that, the last verse says, if if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Christ is either for everybody or he's not for anybody. He didn't just come to save the Jews. He came to save everybody. 
We can't have it both ways. And don't be meeting with these people and eating with these people, but when a certain person comes to town, all of a sudden we think, oh, we can't do that because we might be afraid of what they're going to say or what they're going to do. Can't have it both ways. Either the gospel is for everybody or it's not for anybody. And I want to say the gospel is indeed for everybody. And they're being reminded here again and again. And so when Peter gets to Cornelius, the first, one of the first things that he does is get up, don't worship me. But he said, you know, this is uncommon for us to eat and to be in the same house with you. But I know because of what God has shown me that this is okay. Now it is okay. Because of what Jesus has done and because of what he's done on the cross, now it's okay. And I asked the question last week, who are the people in your life that you maybe don't like to associate with very well? It's not that we're calling people unclean. But man, we've got to keep those God glasses on. We've got to keep looking at people through God's eyes, the way that God sees them, because if we leave it to our own ways, we're going to start judging and choosing and picking and choosing who we want to be with. Jesus came for everybody. The gospel is indeed for everybody. So here Peter gets there. He tells them this, these things. And then he asks the question, for what reason have you sent for me? I'm here. Why did you ask me to come? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to tell you? Why, why am I here? Why did you send for me? And Cornelius tells him about the vision that he had. About the angel that was there and said, send for Peter. And have him come. And it says, it says, uh, Cornelius, this man that stood before him, said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send to Joppa. Uh, This is where he's at. And he says, when he comes, he will speak to you. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And I I look at this and, and Cornelius has gathered everybody with him to listen. They're all here. We're all here. We're ready to listen. We're ready to listen to what you have to share. There was no context of what it was necessarily that he was going to share. Peter knew. I think Peter knew what he needed to share. But you ever go to somebody and you don't know what you're supposed to share? You go, there's certain situations that might be a little bit awkward sometimes that you just don't know what to say. You don't know what you're supposed to do. And sometimes it's just being there. That's not the case here. Peter came, and just the fact that Peter came spoke a lot of how God was working in Peter's life. Because he was breaking laws that he had been keeping for his whole life, just by going. But Peter knew what he was supposed to say. These people were eager to hear what, people had, what Peter had to say. They were waiting to hear what Peter had to say. And the verse that came to mind when I was looking at this is, it's almost, you, you remember when you were younger or, or maybe you have kids and, and you're going to, hey, I'll read you a story. Go get a book. And oh man, they get so excited and they run and grab a book and they come and sit in your lap and you're going to read them a story. This is what it seems like is happening right here. They just can't hardly wait to hear what Peter has to say. If you look back in Luke chapter 18, when Jesus is teaching, whoops, verse 15 says, Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And verse 17 says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. The gospel is not complicated. It's not difficult to understand. It says, the Bible says, if you, unless you receive it as a child, unless you receive it as a child, meaning that it's possible to understand the gospel, it's possible for children to understand the gospel. And what makes it so complicated? Me. You. We make it complicated. We make it way more complicated than it needs to be. 
These people are here. They're eager to hear. They're wanting to listen. They're wanting to hear what Peter has to say. And I just saw that as unless you come as a child, you'd have a hard time understanding. And we got to quit thinking that it's so difficult and complicated to understand what Jesus did for us. No, our minds, the, the finite minds that we have here are not ever going to understand completely what the fullness of what God did for us. But the basic of what he did and that he sent his son, and Peter's going to go on to share this, to die and to rise again to take the punishment for our sins, pretty basic. It's pretty basic. Somebody taking a punishment that they didn't deserve away from me who did deserve it. That's the bottom line of what's going on with Jesus when he came. So they're here, ready to listen, and Peter starts sharing, and it opens his mouth, and he says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He's not quite finished, and he's still, maybe he's talking himself through. You ever have to process things by talking about it? And it almost feels like this is what is happening with Peter. You know, it's pretty uncommon that we would come and meet with Gentiles in their houses or eat with them. And then he starts sharing by, I perceive that God shows no partiality. There's no difference. You're the same as I'm the same as the next person is the same. Jew, Gentile, Greek, slave, it doesn't matter We're all the same in the sight of God. And I think Peter is continuing to process this through his mind because this is brand new to him and this is totally different than what he's used to. God loves everyone the same. He died for everyone the same. He is coming back for everyone the same. And that all depends on what you choose. Because if you read Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, it says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no distinction between anybody. Christ came and died for everybody. He rose for everybody. And when he comes again, he would like to come back for everybody. But that is going to be determined by who it is that does indeed call upon the name of the Lord. That determines who he comes. But he's coming back for us. He's going to come back. What is your choice going to be? Are you going to choose to call on the name of the Lord? Because those are the people he's coming back for. This is still the same for today. Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That hasn't changed. That's still the same today. So Peter continues sharing, and he's sharing. He he was there when Jesus was here on the earth. He was walking with him, and he was learning from him, and he witnessed the death, and he saw the resurrection, he saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, and he's sharing all of these things with Cornelius and the group of people that are with him. And they saw all these things, and it appeared to some, he didn't appear to all, but then he gave him the command to preach the gospel. And he also says, to him, in verse 43, it says, To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. This is being foretold in the Old Testament. I just want to read a couple of verses, uh, one in Isaiah and one in Jeremiah. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11 He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My, righteousness, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And in Jeremiah 31 and 34, verse 34.
No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. There's multiple places in the Old Testament that are predicting what Christ is coming for. When the Messiah comes, this is why he's coming. He's coming to give forgiveness. He's coming to save people from their own sin. The whole Old Testament prophesies towards that end. This is what's going to happen. And now we get to the New Testament, and that's what makes it so interesting that that the, the prophets are prophesying that Christ is coming for people. He's going to save them from their sins. And when we get to the New Testament, and then people think that it was only for the Jews. And that was a, that was a struggle for them to recognize that it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for everybody. A big struggle. This is a major event here that is happening because Peter is here sharing with Gentiles, sharing with people that are devout. They're God-fearing people, but they don't quite grasp exactly what the gospel is. As simple as it is, still nobody has told them. And this is why Peter is there. Why did you come? Why did you send for me? Their, their answer was, we want to know how to know Jesus. We want to know how to have a relationship with Jesus. So as Peter continues to speak, the Holy Spirit comes. In the same way that when Jesus went back up to be with the Father and he said, I'm going to send the Comforter to you to help you, to walk you through this life, to lead you through this life. It's better for you if I go because then I can send the Holy Spirit. And at Pentecost, that's what happened to the disciples. And the Holy Spirit came. And it was pretty incredible things that happened there. But as Peter is teaching and talking and sharing about the gospel here, all of a sudden, here comes the Holy Spirit again. But whoa, whoa, hold on. These are Gentiles here. And that question is still going around. Okay. That's why I say I think this is a major event that is happening because God is teaching him live and in person that God the gospel is for everybody. And if God is willing to send the Holy Spirit here where, where Peter is teaching, Peter is now very convinced that it's for everybody. And I shouldn't show any partiality. I shouldn't be the one to judge who gets to hear and who doesn't get to hear because if God's going to send the Holy Spirit here, it is definitely for everybody. And so as Peter keeps going, they start... The people, it says, and those of the circumcision, they always use that, and those of the circumcision. Basically, the Jews is what they're talking about. They were amazed. They were astonished at what was happening here. It wasn't just Peter that was excited and amazed about this, but the people that were there, the Jewish people that were there were astonished by what was happening. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. They were glorifying God through what was happening. They were excited, and you see a whole nother coming of the Holy Spirit right here. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just, just as we have? Hey, let's find some water and let's baptize them. And they did. And it's incredible what happened here because God, again, like I said, is showing Peter live and in person that this is not just for you. This isn't okay for you to hang on to it and keep it to yourselves. This is something that I am giving you and I want you to go and I want you to share it with everybody. And I think that message is still very true today. I don't want you to hang on to that hope that we have in Jesus for yourself. I want you to share it with people. I want you to be bold. I want you to go for Peter to be called, sent for by Cornelius and then for Peter to agree to go and, and share the gospel, that, that's a big deal. That would be like a complete stranger calling you up and saying, hey, could you come and share more about Jesus with me? What would your first thought be? Scared? The more that I look at this stuff, I, I would like to think that I would be excited. Because what an opportunity that Peter is being, he's sent for and he's stepping in to an opportunity of people that are ready, they're wanting to hear, they're hungry to hear about Jesus. And Peter, all he's doing is following what God is 
telling him to do and stepping into a situation where he can share the gospel. Incredible, incredible. But where are we? Peter is given the opportunity to change these people's lives with the gospel, and he jumps on it. Not without a few of the things that God had to show him along the way, but he does, without hesitation, go with these men from Cornelius. What opportunities do you and I miss because we are uninterested? Or because we are busy? Or because we just flat don't like someone? What opportunities do we miss? There are always opportunities. And I keep asking this question, what are they? What are the opportunities that we miss? Maybe that we know that we miss, and maybe there's some that we don't know that we missed, but what are they? Are we paying attention? Are we aware? I'm going to play a song, and it says, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? There's one line in that song that says, what if you could be the light that no one could ignore. What are we waiting for? Father, thank you so much for your love this morning. I just pray that you would continue to give us opportunities to minister to people, to share your love with people. Lord, help us to know and be reminded daily that the gospel's for everybody. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't decide who it's for. You've already made that decision. You came and you died and you rose for everybody. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to remember that, help us to be aware, and help us to be bold in sharing your love with people. In your name we pray, amen.